Unlock the full potential with your business with Leadershipity. Our proven strategies have fueled growth for countless organizations. Ready to elevate your leadership and scale your success? Book your free 15-minute consultation now. Click the link in the show notes below and let's make your business soar. 20% of all the funds raised through NIL go to charities because we use a donor advised fund as we collect the money, et cetera. So we can create tax benefit for donors, but at the same time, 20% of that is going back to charity. That's a requirement as a partnership with us that, you know, money goes to the collective, but they also goes to charity. We partner with charities in each local community. Welcome to NIL for You. I'm Rob Stinkelstein. I'm the founder and CEO of Alumni Direct, where we've created a platform to help athletes and other alumni network and connect amongst their communities. Uh, in this show, NIL for You is all about everything going on, especially the education side of things. I'm always excited to have my co-host here, Trent Clark. How are you doing, Trent? Excellent, Rob. Fired up for the show as usual. I am Trent Clark. I'm the CEO of Leadershipity and aim for NIL and NIL education firm. Most people know me because I coached in three world series and i am super pumped today's show rob bringing on brendan shaw from rivals media brendan how are you doing man i'm doing fantastic how are you guys doing you're doing great and, and i'll tell you what brendan is just the is an expert on collectives and uh you know we were talking a little bit off air here he's got so much uh, good insight into collectives and, and how they work and just different things going on with the school so we're going to talk a lot about that today also uh brendan why don't you tell us a little about rivals media Sure. Rivals Media is a social impact gamification platform. We partner with teams, leagues, athletes, celebrities, and charities. Recently, we've had a lot of success uh, building relationships with the NIL collectives in that space as well. That's awesome. Brennan, talk a little bit about why NIL collective. This is a hot topic. NIL is going on. Is this something you had near and dear to your heart as an alum yourself? Or where did this all start from a collective side? We've always wanted to work with schools, but there's always been a lot of red tape. There's a lot of people involved. And when they, the NIL collectives became approved, uh, you know, 18, 24 months ago, the landscape kind of shifted where the opportunity to partner but not have to go through all the hoops of dealing with a dean or an assistant athletic director or somebody in fundraising, because ultimately NIL collectives are and are supposed to be arm's length from the school which created a good opportunity, but also at the same time, collectives need to continually raise money for their student athletes. So it doesn't stop. So it's a constant process. And there's an issue with, you know, not everybody understands what NIL is. And then sometimes people don't understand who the collectives are because they aren't the same name as the school. They have a different name, whether it's, you know, a Big Ten or an SEC schools, most collectives are different. It's not of the brand name of the school. It is a, so there's an education process that we support, help, and grow and help those brands monetize their net. Awesome. You mentioned something before we were talking about with the collectives, and I, and I keep noticing that some schools have multiple collectives. How does that work? And like, who goes to which collective? Who goes to the other one? And, and then ultimately, where, where does the, the funding go? It's completely... I don't want to say unregulated, but it's inconsistent. Some schools have one, some schools have two, some schools have collectives for each specific sport. So every school that you speak with and you talk on the collective space, 
it's not the same and it's not consistent. So there is a process. Some might have, I've, I've talked to, you know, uh, different uh, collectives that, you know, have two collectives for the same sport and they're competing against each other, whether it's high profile celebrities or big time alumni. And oh, I don't want to work with that specific person. So it's, it's very different. So each conversation is different. How are you set up? That's an amazing dynamic, right? And this is, this is one of these things like, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I mean, because I recall reading an article about University of Texas. I mean, I think we were like 10 months in, Brendan, right? And they had seven collectives. And they were like, all right, we're going to combine them. And, and, and I think baseball was pissed because baseball had like well over a million dollars. And they had a really nice head start of that above everybody else. And then you're thinking, that's not a, a sport that has a ton of players like a, like a football team does. And how does that work where you're going to blend in all your funds and then, and then the distribution of those funds. So man, it's just like, that just feels like layers of challenge, right? Absolutely. And and a lot of the money is earmarked specifically to specific players. And as we talked about earlier, a lot of the high profile athletes, those funds don't even go through the collective. They're going directly to uh, Travis Hunter, Caleb Williams, Olivia Dunn, a Caitlin Clark, I'm going through the collective. So NIL and NIL collectives aren't totally the same and congruent to each other. They're the same idea, but it's not exactly the same because brands can go directly to athletes. They don't have to go through the collective. The collective is that marketing arm for whatever entity they're working towards, but it's not the same and it's not consistent, whether it's school to school or conference to conference. Let's stay there for a second because this is great education for everybody, right? Is that if I'm a player and I want to make NIL money, what I hear you saying, Brendan, is is that it's going to be much more lucrative for you to go earn it on your own, to be able to create value, structure deals as you see fit. And the bigger brands are often looking to go a gain of value from someone's social network or someone's, someone's status in the space. but the collectives, who are, so that's the first question is, is what should the individual be looking for and driving at? And then two, who are the folks like that are putting in that collective? Is that more commercial? Like, Hey, Bank of America wants to give, you know, $250,000 to this collective and they'll, and they'll distribute. Or what are you seeing from the people that are, that are dispersing inside the collective? Yeah, it's different because the collectives are trying to create responsibility within the athletes. There has to be some benefit created, one. But if a brand wants to just work with Shador Sanders, they go right to him. But as, as I would tell anybody, and I have a 15-year-old son right now who's a budding high-level soccer player, you have to build up your own social media profile. That's half the value is... What kind of reach do you have in your own personal network, regardless if you're an elite athlete, if you haven't built a network and it's completely reversed because I coach you sports. And for the last 15 years, I've been trying to tell kids to stay away from social media. It's dangerous. It's going to get you in trouble. Now we're going the other way to try to educate them on how to curate their profile, do and say the right things, but build a following. So when you get started, what brands are looking for is how much reach. It's no different than when we work with collectives or, or athletes or celebrities. We have to get a certain amount of reach to 
push our message to play the rivals media games for brands and NIL collectors, et cetera. We're helping you monetize your network because everything we do is white label. If you don't have a huge following, you're not going to get a massive return. So there's a process of building your own personal network to create reach, to create value. And that's really is, is the value proposition right now in the NIL space. So do they have, um, are people, that, you know, I don't know if this is coming from the collectives or not, but are people trying to coach these athletes on how to grow their social media? I have started to see, and I've met with some specific creators who are in that space. And, and the NIL space is different because it's, it's blue sky right now. You have coaches and you have agents and you have marketing people. Now you have social media influencers or creators helping you to understand what you have to do to separate yourself from the pack. And as you see, the highest profile athletes that are getting the best deals are very high level athletes, but they also have a fall already. Yeah, it's almost, yeah, I guess, that's sorry, Charlie. I was just going to just say, you know, to continue on that too, just a, a lot of it, like you mentioned your son, Brendan. So I guess it's, it's starting to, you know, build it when you're in high school. So whether it's, it's, oh, you have to, people, you have to, you have to start. I would start saying, and I see it now, even at the younger levels, kids that I coach are starting to create specific content that's potentially going to go viral, add users, and, you know, there's parents involved. And, but ultimately, that is a business now. And it's, it's as you come out of high school or whatever, if you have a certain reach, you have more value than other players that don't. Yes. Yeah, so that is a gigantic deal. And, you know, we throw percentages out in numbers. 82 to 83% of NIL deals are based on the social media following. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm sitting there and like, Hey, I've got 10,000 followers. That's a, that's not terrible. Like that's not, but that's not really categorically uh, lucrative <laughs> from an NIL brand perspective. Now sure. I will say there's, there's a movement and a shift because the marketing people are getting pretty smart, right? They're recognizing that it doesn't matter if a kid has 500,000 followers and has no engagement. Yes. So a kid may have done one post. And, and got a really big, like, oh my gosh, that was so funny. And everyone went, oh, I'm following, I'm following. But then they don't follow anymore. It, it's nine months later. They really, they've only posted four times since and everyone just dropped off. So they have zero engagement in that. So when, you know, and it's funny, Brandon, you know, you say that, you know, I'm a, I'm a father of five kids. So, you know, four boys, one daughter. And so youth sports have been forever. And I'm the same guy. Get the hell away from social media. You don't want to be anywhere near it. Go practice. Right. Hey, now I'm like, get on social media. It's a business. <laughs> You're an entrepreneur, man. Like, there's an entrepreneurial venture there. And I also think, Brennan, that what would be what would be really, you know, in my perfect world for this, and, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. In my perfect world on this is parents would come alongside and do this kind of NIL business together with their child. And then we'd all have visibility on actually what's happening in social media. So I think the danger of social media is there's a lot of negative things that happen and there's not a lot of supervision, if that's fair. And now if all of a sudden we're doing this together, like that maybe creates some engagement and some things we're doing around as a family. And maybe there's a better way to do social media, but that's just me and my, you know, pie in the sky, perfect view, Brennan. But what, what do you think? No, I agree. And I, and I see, you know, I'm in the hockey space and I see it already. I see parent run account. I see things of that sort where it's 
kid might be eight, nine, ten, but they're building into something. And ultimately, it's something you got to work at. It's something you have to know where you're trying. But you also have to be good. You're going to pull highlights and things of that sort. Just forget about NIL. That's the college recruiting process now as well. If you're good, if you can frame it and put it in a social media post and then send it to schools, you're going to work on building your own portfolio to get recruited as well as your potential for NIL. But we still got to get there. And that's what people don't understand. It's, It's very hard to play college sports. And it's also very hard to build a following. So you're doing all these things and you may not get anything out of it, but that's a business now. It's a business that can be run and should be in a connected way with the entire family. Yeah. So just those stats real quick, 8 million high school athletes and 570,000 college athletes. So just to real quick break that down, right? We are, it's a pretty low number, right? This is not... 10% by any means that are actually going to college. So to play sports. So it's rare air. It's a hard thing to do. And kids think like, oh, hey, I'm pretty good at this. I'm going to play in college. Like, no man, like you got to get really committed. Oh, absolutely. But at the same time, you look at, say, John Morant puts too much out there. It burns him and it affects his career. It affects. There are stories littered along the trail for many, many people that put too much out there. So it's understanding how far to let people in to get people to the place where they feel connected with you. But also that that's a that's an asset now. That's a resume builder piece going into school for NIL, which then converts into the future. And if you look at say what the Cavender twins did, they created a business from what they did in school, that they've converted that outside post-college career. And I know I think one of them is going back to school next year, but they turn college with social media into a business to be able to promote themselves. So they've done it the right way, but that those are the opportunities, but it's not like it's easy to do. No, it, it, it definitely, yeah, it's a, it, it popped in old school, but it, it almost like uh, you think about like Mary-Kate and Ashley. And, and how they, they went through that whole thing of being in TV and building, and then all of a sudden, to what you just mentioned, just building a brand after that, if yeah. they were so well-known. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting, too. I guess it's something that maybe more and more high schools could, would you know, see that opportunity to teach social media. And it's not, we always say, it's not just the athletes, I mean, it's everybody, but we touched on it. There are a lot of issues out there when people have used it the wrong way, but you're right, you have to use it for NIL. So let's um, talk a little bit more about like with Rivals Media, maybe give us some examples of working with a, uh, with the collectives. And like, again, would there be a difference between one versus the other when you're working with them at a school? Yeah. And, and, and you know, for some school, I mean, we start to focus because we're trying to help them build and grow. We're trying to help them generate passive income game after game. So what we do is we create white label gamification for all their live major sporting events. So tonight we're launching, we're partnering with the American Volleyball Coaches Association because we're gamifying the women's NCAA Final Final Four Volleyball Tournament. And that's a multi-year engagement, but we're going to begin to create white label gaming for AVCA to raise money for their own 501c3 charity that goes back into volleyball. Now, not everybody has 501c3 status, but ultimately our backbone is we donate to causes at the same time. And there's 
sponsorship opportunities, there's rev share opportunities. And that's really what we offer schools is we're going to help you build your collective war chest, but we can also rev share with athletes at the same time because we can understand conversion rates. We know which athletes because we can track this athlete has a higher conversion rate than this athlete. They might have the same social media following, but we can track all of those user conversions each way. So there's a lot of different ways we're helping to support the collective or the athletes. Yeah, one of the challenges of, of the collective world is that the nonprofit, you know, a lot of people wanted to really, hey, let's give these donors a break. They want to give to the school. That's awesome. You know, and so, and I, and I really appreciate that, right? Like, hey, I'm giving back to my college. It's $20,000. That's a great tax deduction. Except if it's an NIL deal, there's nothing nonprofit about this. This is going directly to an athlete. And, and there's nothing really charitable. These are athletes getting paid to provide great value. And the U.S. tax code said, yeah, I don't think so. Right, exactly. And you're, you're, you're spot on because when it first came out, all these collectives said 501c3 status, which meant they applied. But in May of this year, there was a memo that came out from the IRS saying, just so we're on the same page, and I'm paraphrasing, you have not been approved and you likely will not be approved for 501c3 status because your collective does not meet the guidelines and the objectives of being a nonprofit in itself. So that was a shift because a lot of donors who potentially were donating to a school as a nonprofit no longer are getting the tax break. So those are some of the things that are happening in the marketplace that are moving quickly. And it's like, whoa, what do you mean? I didn't get a tax break on this. I don't want to donate to you or whatever it is. There's a lot of things that are unsaid and unfinished. And as we work through it, things will evolve, but it's some levels, it's the wild west because it is very inconsistent fits and starts. People are trying to get ahead of it, but it's not regulated. You look at, you know, Matt Rule did an interview last week, the head football coach of Wisconsin, and he came out and said, just so we're on the same page, a good quarterback in the portal runs between a million to two million bucks. And everybody's like, are you serious? That's like, where do you get a million to two million bucks? And that's just going directly to that athlete. So there's a lot of things that people don't understand that's behind the scenes. You're hearing stories of kids going on recruit trips and saying, I'm not coming unless you give me five grand. Like all those things are interesting. Yeah, I'm challenged by the fact that uh, I didn't like coaches coming out and saying, hey, it feels like an excuse to me, Brendan. When a coach goes, you know what? If you want me to compete, you need to go get us five to ten million dollars in NIL. And so, you know, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm, hey, I'm going to need a TO on this. You know, like, I, and, and I don't know the dynamic of it. And it, the second thing is, a couple of the coaches that said that make five million dollars or more. So I'm like, hey, you you can you can ante up ten percent of your own salary to start. You know, like it's not like you're getting by on four and a half. Like maybe you can make it. If you really want a better team, you could invest in your team too. So I don't know how this looks, but it, it put a bad taste in my mouth. What's what's your thought on this, Brett? Here's the other interesting part. When a head coach says that at a press conference, he's talking with community who's telling the community to send money to the collective, but the coach actually doesn't have jurisdiction over the collective because it is arm's length. Think about that. Like those are the interesting pieces and you're seeing it. What you're talking about is 
but now they're measuring themselves saying we're top 10% in collective. You don't usually hear that. You usually hear we're the bottom 25% and that's why I can't compete. Yeah. You know, is it an excuse? We could say yes. Is it reality? It's no different than you're a mid-major versus a, you know, a blue blood program. You understand you don't have the same assets. You don't have the same resources. But that's really the call to action in the marketplace in these schools and in these communities. Help me. But it's not going to me. It's going from you to the collective to the athlete. And I actually don't have a say over that. That's fun. Hey, let's jump into some of the headlines with Brennan, Rob. Can you tee us up for that for a little alumni direct headline? So here, as, as part of this segment, we do a lot of uh, looking at what current events are happening. There's so many things that are currently up in the marketplace, and it's happening so fast. I mean, the, the one thing, Brennan, I'm getting a kick out of, man, is like, you know, predict the future on this thing in three years. Like, it's moving fast. Yeah. and you know, I don't, and there's all sorts of things that are crazy. You know, Rob and I have touched on a bunch of things in our show from, you know, NCAA going, they're going to be employees. Like, no, they're not. They're never going to be government employees. You're never going to make, you know, an athlete, an employee at a school and make that work. Like that's- no, There's so that, much red tape involved. Oh, there's, so much. The, the other thing I just want to touch on one point that we, we haven't talked about is only Americans can get NIL. If you're international- Due to the employment status of student visa, you can't get NIL money. So if you have yeah. a lot of these schools, and I, again, I was in hockey. I talked to some of the kids that I were where I went to school. There's a lot of Canadians. There's a lot of Europeans. I played college hockey at UMass. I got kids I want right. to get engaged with. If you're not an American, you can't get money. You could actually generate money while you're in Canada or Finland. Yes, but while you're on campus. You actually can't get NIL money, which is... Yeah, so that's the big hook, right? The big hook is that I saw the African kid, big ball player, basketball kid. And, you know, when, when he was home, he made $275,000, right? Like, it's just when, when I'm home, I can make that money, right? And so you're right. It is not allowed to be generating revenue on domestic soil. And hockey's a great example, Brennan. I mean, like, you know, when we just talked about that, because I have four kids in hockey as well. And, and uh, man, when you come in and these Canadian kids are coming out, like, hey, the scholarship money's not that great. U.S. education's very expensive. And now all of a sudden I'm going to get there. I'm going to pay half the tuition, all my room and board, and my U.S. Uh, my Canadian dollar to U.S. dollars, a bad transfer, right? That's a bad breakdown there. And I think then, we're at a 30% conversion right now to the bad side when you're coming from Canada. So there's, I, yeah. yeah, our money's worth 30% less. And then I'm going to send this kid to go to school. It's like, man, this scholarship is not worth much. So I can get NIL, right? Oh no, your kid doesn't qualify because he's not U.S. born. It's, it's rough, man. Yeah. And it's, and that's totally separate. That's nothing to do with that. Is it, that is employment law, et cetera. That is, you know, federal government stuff that is it's totally separate than anything else with, visas and immigration that that's a whole nother animal layer how, how long does it take them to get uh like to where they would be qualified like i guess they'd have to get citizenship right so it's almost like yeah. they have to move here where they're 10 years high school or elementary you're not going to do it in four years that's that's right. not right yeah 
All right, so we're we're gonna uh, go ahead and get married. Hey, you know that's that's gonna be the new NAL. They're gonna, they're gonna connect you on your recruiting <laughs> trip with your bride or your husband to be, and then you're gonna be married, and then you can then you can go get your NIL. Uh, that's that's you, you might have just stirred something up there, Trent. So <laughs> I don't know about, uh, not come from me right now. <laughs> uh, University's idea is not mine. It's Please not Trent Clark. And nobody listened to that. So yeah, right, so we'll talk about NIL for good. So here's uh one are you seeing the screen with the uh uh, using NL to benefit the community, boys club, girls club. Love this, yeah, Colorado State. Yeah, so so talk a little bit about this one, uh, Trent. Yeah, I'm just uh, you know another NIL for good. You know, uh, we see this trend now where universities are actually all getting involved with really just good nonprofit give back. And Colorado State, much like where we saw uh, at Indiana University. They're getting the kids to get and, and do something to choose to get involved, which, by the way, I think that's a great way, Brennan, to learn NIL. Like, hey, do something nonprofit. Learn how a deal works, what you have to do for it. And, and if you start with a nonprofit, you can shape the deal so you understand what people are asking for, what's required of you. So when you do things for cash and for revenue, you have a little bit better idea how you shape that. But what's your thoughts on this, Brennan? No, I totally agree. And for us, it's not something we put out there in the public, but 20% of all the funds raised through NIL go to charities because we use a donor advised fund as we collect the money, et cetera. So we can create tax benefit for donors. But at the same time, 20% of that is going back to charity. That's a requirement as a partnership with us that, you know, money goes to the collective, but they also goes to charity. We partner with charities in each local community. Here's a, another story, uh, Trent. We were talking about this offline, but um, tell us about uh, what was her name, the steeplechase runner from Duke, and what she was doing. Yeah, yeah, Olivia Cole. I, lo- I love Olivia Cole. You know, steeplechase runner. I, I interviewed on on my other podcast, Winners Find a Way. I brought in uh, Ann Gaffigan. Ann's a woman in technology today, but back in the day, she was the U.S. steeplechase record holder, and uh, I think she ran it in Nebraska. And just, a, just you know, a cool sport, right? Like we've seen steeplechase. I've seen steeplechase since I was a kid, but really only saw the, the Olympics. Now, this is a, a pretty significant track and field event. Olivia Cole has over half a million followers. She's a big brand down at Duke. And she got a great deal with Ufos. And when she did Ufos, her deal... She didn't just get shoes for her. She got shoes for the whole track team. <laughs> like, I love that. Like, here's a, here's a girl like, hey, listen. We always talk about having great friends. You know, the only thing about, you know, having a, your own plane is having a great friend with a plane like Brendan, right? Like, so, you know, you're like, that's what we do, right? And so that's pretty cool that you're seeing the benefit of success of the kids around you and other kids are benefiting from that. And I think that's pretty cool of Olivia as things are growing. And also the perspective of, hey, kids, here's a young lady in, in steeplechase and she's doing great work. She's making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in NIL money. This young lady's on a full ride scholarship as a track star, and she's going to leave Duke with a great education and a pretty thick bank account, Brennan, and a bunch of skills on marketing, sales, customer service, certainly a lot of communication and, and, and public communication. So I just think win-wins all over the place across the board. No, I, I totally agree. And that's, that's the world we live in. Is- how do you leverage sports? Because no matter how good you are, you're not going to play forever. And what does your next life look like? 
you can use sports as a vehicle to go to a good school, get a good education. Now you can actually make money. And now you can actually take that into the next phase of your life, which goes into what Rob does with Alumni Direct. I mean, all those things come together, but you have to have good people advising you. You have to have mentors because, you know, there's also horror stories of kids that get money and then don't realize they're getting taxed. Or I just saw recently a player got a free car and he damaged it and he brought it back and they tried to charge him 30 grand. He's like, I don't have 30 grand. So, I mean, there's a lot of things out there that are still unknown and there's still a lot of risk. And if you don't have a good support system around you, it's dangerous. I appreciate that Brendan Shaw just, uh, just, uh, he actually just referenced our show where we brought that to the show like about a month ago. That's pretty cool. So we did talk about that young man on the show, Brennan, who did do that. And awesome, right? Like, you know, $140,000 infinity and, you know, that, like the little things you don't think about. And I'm like, how does someone let a guy drive off the, off the lot with that? And we didn't verify insurance and what's going to, you know, what's going to be, right? And so it's um, the little details. athletes getting disability insurance while they're still playing because they're going to be high draft pick. Why wouldn't you insure the risk there? Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Hey, let's, Brendan, I want, I want to touch on Rivals Media. Like, I really want to talk about, like, like one of your most successful campaigns about how you used gamification in the NIL space. Can you walk us through a successful program that you guys have doing right now? Yeah, truthfully, it's very new. You know, we've signed contracts with multiple collectives. We will probably have 10 by the end of January. But ultimately, there's a building block process. It's, figuring out what we want to create gamification for, what has visibility, what people want to follow, how do we engage users, how do we create future users, and then how do we take people, because our goal is to build a user base for the collective that we can start gamifying non-rev sports. There's a lot of things out there you really don't watch, and that's really, the, the goal I've always said is we want to get big enough where we can gamify the science fair because I know the academics of the world are always saying too much money goes to athletics. Well, if we can use visibility and user acquisition with pricing, say it was Alabama and it was sweet tickets to next week's game for the winner of the challenge, we're going to gamify the science fair. What is that doing? It's moving people's eyeballs to watch the science fair. They may not want to totally be interested. They might want to win sweet tickets to Alabama. Yeah, I love that. I, I love that. And I think that as you see this thing progress, it's going to get really fun to watch where kids can do a bunch of gamification with their own NIL. Talking about promoting brands and sandwich coupons and you know yeah. sandwiches being named after kids and you get so much traction or you get so many clicks on, on, on this post. You get to sit down with the athlete. We're working on some gamification at the schools to create contests within the universities, whether it's the sororities and the the fraternities competing against each other, who drives the most user acquisition. We can create prize in there. So we're constantly looking to be creative, but enhance engagements to become a part of that community. Yeah. I love that. I, I can see, you know, Top Hopper did a cool little deal where 
uh, the, the best jumper on campus, which, you know, it didn't have to be the athletes, but some of the athletes, like the volleyball players and the football players were doing, you know, some things there. And you can gamify this to have the kids come in and interact with the athletes and do the jump and have some fun and measure their vertical. And, and you see these kids are so talented at the, at the collegiate level, but you know, there's a bunch of kids that were really good high school players that might have skill sets and, and they kind of come out of the, uh, you know, the uh, intramural program to go interact with the athletes. And that's fun, man. That's just, uh, there's the top hopper on campus. I just thought that's a pretty cool way to uh, gamify things and create value. And of course, it's going to be bunches of fun to see all, and we're seeing it now, the innovative ways people are coming up with things. Right. But ultimately, if you have enough reach, say you have five athletes and they have 5 million followers, you stream your own contest. We could all have a race down the street. If we had enough followers, people would watch it. We create gamification. Who's going to win? Who's going to be the fastest? Will anybody fall? There's a lot of ways to do it. What color shirt is Trent going to be wearing today? Like all those things are part of the user engagement world that we're in right now with social media and streaming. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. tell you what, the, yeah, this, this is great stuff. This has been a, a another great episode. And but one of, Brendan, one of our, uh, my favorites always is Trent's tips. So Trent, do you have any, uh, any tips to leave uh, our audience with today? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, one of the things that Brennan really touched on, let's talk about this kids out there because Brennan really hit it. You know, a lot of parents were saying, don't be a part of social media. You got to be careful. And you do be, you do have to be careful and get involved with your parents at a young age and talk about what you're trying to do with your social campaigns. Also, I want to do two things with you and your parents. One, engage them about how it works. Show them how you've been doing Instagram and why you're doing it. Twitter's a really important social aspect because, as Brendan said, when you're making these videos, coaches are on Twitter for whatever reason. And you're like, oh, my friends aren't on Twitter. I know. Coaches are. you got to go where they are. And, and some of the parents, they can help you with Facebook. I don't want to be on Facebook. I know you don't, but brands see a lot of value on Facebook. So jump in and have a Facebook group. Interact with a group that your parents will help you and they can get their friends and their friends have money. <laughs> so like you have potential there with their folks. So be thoughtful about this. And, I, and, I, and here's my mental health tip of the day. My mental health tip of the day is you're going to see a bunch of things on social and sometimes it gets negative. You can do a lot of things to turn off comments. You can do a lot of things to gauge and buffer yourself from going through every engagement that's happening on your social. You do not need to have a bunch of things on negative comments heading towards you. So just be thoughtful. But uh, also when people know adults are involved with a kid, they're less likely to get negative with them. So having your parents alongside you, I think is a really big deal for all those high school kids. Brennan, would you like to add to that? Yes. The other thing I would say is go out and be a brand ambassador. Like building a portfolio, like my son has a deal with a soccer glove company. They don't pay him. Right? Look at me. Under Armour, come on, man. Like, let's go. We're, we're talking under Armour freedom here. You don't have, it's like having an internship. While you're in college, I get an internship. Why? It's going to make me more viable to get a job. Well, in this space, if you're 8, 10, 12, 14 years old, you can sign a brand ambassador deal and get a, which you couldn't do before, get a baseball bat or a hockey stick. Because what are they asking you to do? Be the ambassador, promote it. On your resume now as a student athlete, I've already been a brand ambassador. I started doing this when I was 10 or 12. 
So you're more likely to attract other potential opportunities because you've already done it. Like that's, it's, it's just it's life experience, and it, but it's a different well, life experience. Yeah, and I think, Brendan, you know, you got a young lady like Olivia Cole who comes in and says like, hey, let me give you the connection to my friend, Mr. Martin over here, the chief marketing officer of UFOs. And let me get, you know, like, you're like, whoa, hey, the, the chief marketing are of Under Armour. You're like, this kid got some serious, like, juice here to talk about some people that are going to go on and speak on their behalf. And that's, that's a big deal to get a job. And I would, I would absolutely encourage that. If you can get something while you're in junior high or high school and you're, again, you got to be good. You got to have a social media profile. You got to create ROI for the brand. They don't have to pay. You. They can give you something. For sure. Yeah, it just, uh, again, great tips from Trent and Brendan. And uh, we encourage people watch the NIL for you. Listen to us on across the podcast network as we continue every week to bring you just the highlights of what's going on, but more importantly, the education behind it. So. Uh, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Trent. Thanks, Brendan. Any closing thoughts, Trent? Yeah, just another great show. Thank you, Brendan, so much for joining us. Always thrilled to have an expert in the field of NIL and the collective. Love what you guys are doing at Rivals Media. I think gamifying and, and making it fun and just kind of leaning into the innovation is just so critical today, these days. And uh, love your efforts and where you're headed. Yeah, if anybody out there would like to partner or talk about how what we can do with their school, you know, the website's on the bottom of the screen and reach out. Everybody, next time, NIL for you, Brent Clark with my host, Rob Finkelstein. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.